There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France. Which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi. It's more popular than being French. See you in there. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Welcome to For Colored Nerds. This is Eric. This is Brittany. And today, kids, yeah, we're going to talk about football. Yeah, football, which is... A topic near and dear to your heart, I know. It's very funny. Very fucking funny. <laughs> But no, I mean, we're going to talk about football. I've been wanting to talk about football for a while. You actually expressed a lot of interest in it, too. I read about football. I'm not, um, I'm not, I obviously am not a player of football. And I don't watch it. And I, I don't like it. But I, <laughs> at all. <laughs> I don't. So, are you a fan? <laughs> <laughs> Casual. Um, but I am interested in it and I read about it. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. True. Uh, Who's your team? My team, sadly, are the Jets. And the Jets are pretty terrible. I thought your team has to be the Titans because you're from Tennessee. So my team should be the Titans, but I was real bitter. Uh, when the Titans first moved to Tennessee from, they were originally. That the, wasn't like, it's within the past decade only, right? That they've been in Tennessee. Have no, they, it's about, it's actually happened in the 90s. Okay. Well. So, so in the 90s, they were originally the Houston Oilers and the team got moved to Tennessee. And they became. The Tennessee Oilers. So at, when they moved, Memphis, which is where they originally played, mm-hmm. did not want to foot the entire bill to build them a stadium. So the team Wait, was so like, "Is there any stadium in Memphis whatsoever, or well, in the yeah, surrounding I mean, area?" We, yeah, but they were playing in like in in stadiums that were built for college teams. Basically. Oh, that's so it's like kind of rude. Yeah, they needed a stadium, and Memphis was willing to commit some of the funds, but they weren't going to pay for the entirety of it. Were they being cheap, or did they not have the money? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I was like eight. Okay. All right. Cool. So, right. Okay. <laughs> so but, you were privy. Yeah. Right? No, nah, I'm honestly not sure. But I remember a lot of people were mad. I mean, I feel like the majority of people kind of gotten over it. But Oh, at, but knowing you being petty. Yeah. I mean, you know me. I know. You've managed to stay pissed off for 20 years. <laughs> exactly. So. so, well, at the time, I was like, okay, well, I need a new team. They're moving to Nashville. Fuck that. So, I started watching the Jets. And at the time, the Jets were pretty decent. They were never really... Like, great, but they were pretty decent. They would get to the, uh, like, divisional championship sure. relatively frequently. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was a fan. I just kind of stuck with that as they've gotten worse and worse and worse. They're bad? Yeah, they're pretty terrible. Who is Mark, Mark Sanchez? Does he still play for the New York Jets? Mark Sanchez actually does not still play for that the Jets. That is the last time I checked in on them. He used to play for the Jets, but he does not anymore. He plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, wait. I know who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Vick. Michael Vick actually does not play for the Philadelphia Shit. Eagles. He <laughs> used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. He now plays for the Jets. What? Yeah. Level says yeah, man. Life comes Wait, at why you does fast. He play, why does he play for the Jets if they're so bad? Why are they bad if Michael Vick plays for them? I guess it's just one player. Well, Michael Vick is also kind of old now. So there, there's that. In addition to that, he was not the starting quarterback. They actually drafted a new quarterback called Geno Smith, and he turned out to be amazingly bad. Just really, really bad. We have terrible luck with quarterbacks. So anyway, Geno Smith has been terrible. The the Wait, wait. Michael Vick is a quarterback? Michael Vick is a quarterback, correct. Interesting. Okay. He runs a lot. Is that why he's kind of slim? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. I mean, they're heavier quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger is a pretty heavy dude. I don't like him. Well, I mean, yeah. A lot of people don't. I mean, yeah. he's also the worst. He's like a fucking asshole to me. 
That would probably be right. But anyway, back to... Oh, yeah, the topic at hand. <laughs> back to the topic at hand. So, I, I mean, we've been meaning to talk about football for a while. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to wait a little bit to create just a bit of distance from kind of, I guess, the controversy of the moment, which is kind of the Ray Rice yeah. situation. Obviously, he assaulted his wife in the elevator. And yeah. that kind of overtook, like, that was the narrative for football. And it's definitely important because the league is terrible at... Showing that they care about women who are fans. Yeah. Or Uh, even just like they're they're terrible at showing that they give a fuck about women in general. Yeah. Especially, you know, people who are the families of of their players, the families of their employees. Yeah. I mean, there's that. There's that aspect of it. There's, you know, the fact that I think 40% of fans are women. I think that's the last statistic that I read. That makes like some sense. Yeah. And in addition to that, it's just bad for a lot of reasons like there you know there's the disciplinary aspect of it like football has always been kind of stereotypical you say if you play football usually you can get out of a lot of things like in high school and college Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that narrative seemingly has still not changed even at the professional level (laughs) absolutely not yeah and so there that kind of overtook everything and not to say that it's not a useful conversation because i think it definitely is Mm -hmm. but the things that i think are affecting football and even potentially will bring about its its end eventually. Yeah. Aren't necessarily directly related to that. No, I would agree. I like I, I told you I am not I'm not even a casual viewer of football. And uh, I, I I honestly I mean years pop maybe I'll I'll catch a game like once a year, once every other year in its entirety. Yeah. But I spent a lot of time reading about it and as much as I've certainly kept up with not just Ray Rice, but Jovan Belcher and other you know instances of domestic violence within the league and families that are a part of the league, I find the other larger things that we're going to be talking about today. Those are the those are the types of pieces that I gravitate toward when I'm reading about football. Speaking more to like just for example, the violence. Yeah, definitely the violence, which is the thing that I think that's been kind of bubbling the most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, there's you know the injury aspect of it that results from the violence. Yeah, it's interesting. Violence. And football weren't necessarily used in the same context until relatively recently, I feel. Like, I feel like that word is, I mean, people would say it's strong. Like, oh, football is not violent. Mm -hmm. But if you really look at it on the face, like violence is causing, is is attempting to to use force to harm someone or to achieve some sort of means. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if I'm running at you full speed with pads on and I'm a, you know, 250, 300 pound guy... (sighs) You're intending to cause harm. I'm intending to and cause harm. And that's pretty harm. fucking violent. <laughs> it's pretty fucking violent. And I mean, I even say that as a fan. It's one of those things that people try to obscure the fact that that's why we watch. That's what I've always tried to figure. Like, I, I can kind of see, I can see the appeal. Just the, just let's say we're observing this in a vacuum. I can see the appeal of blood sport. Because, you know, people love boxing. People like wrestling. And professional wrestling is obviously sports entertainment. It's not It's not a real sport. Because a lot of it is, you know, predetermined. It's and theater. It's yeah. theater, exactly. It's, it's, it's purely entertainment. But people still like watching that same blood sport. People like to watch people beat the shit out of each other. Same way, honestly, people like watching people fight in public. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I was outside of the club the other day. And I could tell that people were fighting inside because the doors kept swinging open. World was, star. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. But then actually I saw them pull out this like five, six white guy with like oh, a wow. half zip with like a cashmere half zip by the ankles. I just watched this like little tiny white guy get pulled out by his ankles like out of the club. But I still wanted to watch. I wanted to see people start fighting on the sidewalk. I mean, which it's, is, it's very human. It's rude. Yeah. But it's very human. But you want to see that. And it's the same thing with football. You know, you want to see a big hit. You want to see, you like how I transition back, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you want to see a big hit. You want to see, you want to see the spectacle of it all. Because otherwise it's just kind of, I mean, football is, it it can be slow. It's not really a slow sport. It's not baseball slow. Yeah, it's not baseball slow. It's not like golf. But it can be slow if there's nothing interesting happening. Now, this is the thing. I understand what you're saying. And I get it. Like I said, on a human level, like I just, you want to watch some wild shit happen. And football allows you to watch a series of wild ass shit yeah. pop off for like real hours real quick for hours like multiple days a week yeah for like what six seven months out of the year yeah just about yeah okay so th- i get that but 
while I do understand the appeal, I don't like it. It's, I just don't care for it. I find it kind of boring. But I still watch people get hit sometimes. And I'm taken aback just at how how forceful it is. Like you say, like you know, they give you the stats of all the players while you're watching. You know how big these dudes are. Yeah. And it's just That's like, part of the appeal. And honestly, it's it's something I've, that I've struggled with more and more as I've gotten older, as I can understand what's actually happening. And I yeah. play football, so it's not like I, you know, I, now, I how had... Old were you, how old were you you play football? I was like 15. You said, oh, I think you said you were a junior. 16, like 15, 16. Six, 15, yeah. 16, somewhere yeah. in there. You know, I played, I played, I actually played like, so I made the team play like training camp all the way up to like the season is about to start. And I actually quit right before the first game. I was like, fuck that. Wait, why do you tell... You you wait you quit before the yeah I quit before the first game we so we had like scrimmages we had like a before the is first like, like a little play 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 game right well it's like a it's like yeah a fake game. it's I mean it's like a game it doesn't count towards anything right so right, like right. imagine like preseason right like play play right yeah exactly so I mean I played in like those games and we've had like so we had some scrimmages with like other teams from other schools but then when it came time for the actual season like the real shit popping. I was like, nah, I can't do it. You know what, though? That's just like your boy, Jonathan Chait. Yeah. I mean, he didn't quit, but he actually... <laughs> I, I didn't mean to shade you by that. Yeah, but no, no, no. One of the things... Uh, Eric actually did a really good job picking out what I needed to read this week. Because as I expressed, like, I don't understand football... Like, if I'm honest, if I see it on television, it, it could, it's nonsense. Like, I just watch, to me, it's like people running around, I don't get it. And I don't watch it, but I understand it as an industry. I understand it as a machine. I understand it as, here we go. We can take it back to something that I know. Miuccia Prada has this quote where she says, fashion is instant language. And that's what mm. football is. I the, I watched one season. I think it was the 2010-2011 football season. Yeah. Because I had a whole bunch of girlfriends when I was living in D.C. who were super into football. And I realized if I wanted to hang out with them on Sundays, they were like, we're not going to brunch on Sunday. Like, we're going to Old Dominion, which if you live in D.C. or the D.C. area, you know that Old Dominion is... It ain't, the, it ain't Buckingham Palace. So we're going to go to the Old Dominion. We're going to get a bunch of fucking hot wings. We're going to get a couple towers of beer. And yeah. we're going to camp out here for like six hours. If I wanted to kick it with them, then that That's was what, what I had, had to do. do. So we had a fantasy league and everything like that. And I came in second in our league, which wow. was surprising. Yeah, I literally, I don't even, I think I watched like maybe 10 games. Yeah. And also like I supported the Lions. So it was really interesting that I even made it. And that was when the Lions started getting good. Yeah. Well, because we got sued. Yeah. That was the season we got sued and, you know, things started getting... I don't know. Are we good? I feel like we're just, like, decent. You guys are still pretty We turned good. it you around. You kind of struggle. I mean, you you have Calvin Johnson, so it's like... I don't know, know who the fuck that is, but that's cool. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yeah, Eric did a really good job picking out things to read. Even though, like I said, I don't like football and I don't really understand it at all. I do understand what it does to people. People who have otherwise nothing to talk about. They over football, they can like break bread. And one of the one of the the best articles that I got the chance to read this week, uh, which I had sort of looked at before, but now having read all of this other supporting text, it makes a lot more sense. Was the Jonathan Chait piece? I think it was what what liberals get wrong about football. Yep. Yes. And this piece, I actually thought was really good too, because the thing about it is a lot of times when people are talking about football, it's it's purely about the sport. And not necessarily about their experiences within the sport. So people try to create almost a bit of distance between like normal people and what they can appreciate about football Mm -hmm. and what it's like to actually live it. Almost like I have no idea what's going on unless I'm playing football at a professional level. And I I say that more so when you get to the the actual talk about like concussions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Because people try to say, well, unless you really are into it, if you're playing football right, then it's a safe sport. Football right, you're getting your ass knocked off. Knocked off. <laughs> yeah. Consistently. Yeah. But I thought what Jonathan Chait did a really good job of doing, and I don't actually give him props a lot because sometimes he gets on my fucking nerves, to be yeah. honest. He did a great job of kind of building the story from following almost like a complete narrative of talking about his experiences playing in high school and how like how the the violence and like what people were trying to do, where that comes from, you know how that grows and Mm -hmm. people's kind of relationship with that. So he talks a little bit about uh, one of the things that I thought was, was really interesting. Hold on one second. Pull up the quote, pull up the quote, refer to the text as brother Tavis would say. One of the things I thought was really good. 
he talks about kind of the chauvinistic belligerence that boys often have. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a really good point when you think about the violence aspect of it. And also the, the like overarching story that football players are more violent like, than regular people. Than regular people. Um, he talks about how, and this is a quote verbatim. He says, football channels boys chauvinistic belligerence into supervised forms. It shapes them within boundaries and gives them positive meaning. These virtues, like those often attributed to the military, can feel like cliches. And I think that's where he's talking about that. Like, you need to be violent. You need to act in a specific way mm-hmm. in order to uh, to be civilized, to a certain mm-hmm. example. So these cliches are imported from an earlier era, but this discipline and directed ambition are, as every social scientist knows, the bedrock of success in adulthood. So I agree kind of with his statement on Mm -hmm. the face, which is basically we take like football takes boys who might otherwise be running around driving people crazy. And it channels that into something that's productive. And in theory, if you follow the program, <laughs> yeah. Once you become an adult, you've been able to process this and it 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 helps you evolve into this man. And so I think that's I mean, I think that's interesting in how I, for a lot of the people and a lot of the critics of football, mm-hmm. how it's almost perceived as the opposite. So if you think about playing football and that's something that's channeling you into manhood, Mm -hmm. but people's perspective is that football players are these really, really violent, angry, consistently like hyper masculine people, men, Mm -hmm. you know, who are just looking to continue the violence that they have on the field. The thing is, though, is that there's one major difference between what Jonathan Chait was talking about as far as his um, his high school days playing football and, you know, when we sort of take the same idea and, like, extrapolate it, let's say, yeah. and apply it to the NFL is that there's still... The NFL is an institution. Yeah. I know that football in general is an institution. You know, it's a great American pastime. But the NFL is an institution. Not just... I'm not talking about a business or not just talking about a league... Or talking about an organization that other that other companies do business with on a sponsorship level. I'm talking about there's a level, just like with almost, just like the police force yeah. or the military. There's a level of protection that comes with and almost fame. I mean, no, I don't mean there's definitely fame in the NFL. But not necessarily fame with the police force or, uh, mil- or the military. But there's an authority that can give you the same drunkenness as fame does same power the same power exactly i think that it's not just the masculinity it's not it's not just the misguided and and hyper masculinity of football um, or the violence of football but also that this there's this masculine organization i feel like masculine isn't even the right word but there's this organization that is supporting this structure that's supporting this hyper masculine super violent space and then you add money to that and you add notoriety and you add fame and like that's the other component yeah. you know what i'm saying that allows for people to like just like how famous people in general act a fuck what did we talk about yeah you know what i mean a couple weeks ago like famous people in general will act a fucking fool because there's this cloak of just invincibility almost exactly that makes it okay but when i think about i want to go back to the point where that you just read about discipline. So, you used to play high school sports. Technically, I did too. I did a suburban, primarily a young women's sport called pompon. P O M P O N. I think only people in like Michigan, Ohio, possibly even Arizona, in some places do it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like by any means like a national sport. It's a, sort of like a cross between like cheerleading, dance team, and like drill team. I can't describe it. If you want to Google it, it will make more sense to you. But I was really, really good at it was when I was in high school. I was like a varsity athlete. I was on the Mid American Pom Pom All Star team, which meant that I was you know, one of the best girls in the state. And then I also coached for a year. Mm-hmm. I took a team that basically started off as the Bad News Bears. <laughs> I mean, that's every sports team, sadly. Yeah, exactly. It started off as the Bad News Bears. And then we were first in our division in the state at the oh. end of the season. Yeah, no, I was I was a pretty good coach. So I, I understand. I understand. Like, when he's talking about football, to me, that's not just football. It takes... You know, we had some girls that were pain in my motherfucking ass. I love those children so much. I still do. They're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful young ladies. But in a an organized setting, 
some of these kids will have you driving up the damn wall. The things that he says about football are easily applicable to pompon. I imagine they would be to swimming or to cheerleading or to basketball. Like we used to have our practices in this dance room that was surrounded by exercise equipment. So sometimes we would be working out simultaneously, like with the football team. Yeah. And the football coach respected the shit out of us because of how the the amount of discipline that uh, me and one of my very good friends, who was my I guess my boss of sorts, I was a JV coach, and she was like head coach and, and varsity coach. The discipline with which we ran the program, how they were behaved, like we were dedicated. These girls were practicing. I mean, like, I think we were in the at least double digits of hours of practice. We did, I think, two, three hours after school, Monday through Thursday during competition season. There was an extra three hours on Friday and four hours on Saturday. We practiced every single day but Sunday and they only get one month off every single year. Wow. Right. Yeah. No, no, it it was. It was a really intense sport. It's interesting to me that. I'm curious as to, for somebody who I think, uh, and actually I'm from the same area as Jonathan Chait, the the high schools and stuff like that he was talking about. He was in our same athletic conference. So I understood a lot of what he was like, what he was getting at, but it's not like there aren't, it's not like other sports don't do that for young people, not just young men, but young women. It's not like tennis might not do that. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I think that's, I mean, honestly, that was like the biggest blind spot of the entire of the entire art for me that was the biggest blind spot obviously because i'm a woman former high school sports coach and i've seen the same development i've been on both sides of the coin yeah i've coached and i've been an athlete and the things that he described are not particular to only boys and it's not particular to football and it's annoying to me that he that was like that was like a, a central argument of his was like yeah football does all these fucked up things to people's but it bodies. also does. Yeah, but it also gives them discipline, which they can only get yeah. from smashing their body into somebody else's. Well, you're right. The 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 you know, the fast version of that is you're right. The thing about it is football has this even more so than baseball. Like so so to take a step back, baseball is is America's pastime, mm-hmm. right? But there's something about the sport of football that has this like cult or vaulted status. Mm-hmm. And I think it honestly results from the violence because of how violent it is. It's there's a perception, which is probably not even probably it's inaccurate Mm -hmm. that because it's so violent, it takes a special type of tough. Yes. Athlete, you know, who can go against all these other factors to play this sport, to play this wonderful, beautiful sport. And that's, I mean, that's mostly like, you know, it's mostly bullshit. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I am now, I, you know, I'm a healthy weight. But, uh, sure yeah, I know what you're referring to. Go ahead. But when I, when I played football, I was probably the scrawniest person within a 50 mile radius. Yeah, I was going to say, I met you a, a couple years later and you appeared from photos that I've seen now, you appeared to have put on weight by yeah. the time I met you. And by the time I met you. In 2005, yeah. if I had sneezed, you would have blown right into the fucking that's Chesapeake true. Bay. I wouldn't. The sad thing is, that's not even shade. Like, you, you, you're speaking facts. Yeah, facts. <laughs> and I played football. And it was something to, to say. Like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I was an excellent football player. No, you quit before the fucking <laughs> season started. Yeah. Were mean, you even really a football player? Well, no. I mean, shit. I got hit like a football player. I played, you know what I'm saying? Like, I... I mean, I made the team. Mm-hmm. Like, I was on the team. I had a jersey. I had a number. Went to camp. Yeah, I went to camp. It was like, like remember the Titans. It was not like, remember, That's remember the Titans. That's what I think it's like. Nothing is actually like, remember the Titans. Like, there was interesting enough, this is an aside, but they did an interview with a lot of the other people who uh, were actually went to that school around that yeah. time. And they were like, yeah, it was a load of bullshit. <laughs> like, basically, that, that guy, the guy who played Denzel Washington's character, mm-hmm. had a amazingly revisionist history of what he remembered that situation to be like. Oh, so he was just like, this is what I did. Yeah. You know, I got, I got everybody right. You know, I I pulled their card. I gave them this discipline. I showed them this mental toughness and the sport, the game, the desire to win. And then, and then that's how they saw racism. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how it always works. Right, 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 right. right. But anyway, so that was a little bullshit. It was, I mean, it was hard. It was ridiculously hard. Like, I, I mean, I had to, like, lift weights. Like, I, you know. You had to lift weights when you were that tiny? 
Yeah, I mean that actually helped me to put on the like the five pounds I needed yo, to five, not die. I was die. gonna say yo five pounds back then. Yo, it's real. Holy I was shit. I was looking in the mirror like oh snap I'm cut. <laughs> no, I mean it was ribs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it was it was very very difficult. But it wasn't. I mean I played pretty much every sport and it wasn't that much different. And I, honestly, that was a part of what led to me to me quitting was that I was like I. I I enjoy other sports more. Like this isn't actually for for what it's supposed to be for this mm-hmm. um, for the status that it gives you of playing the sport. It's really not that different. You just get hit a lot. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> like it just sounds awful to me. Well, I mean, at the time, you're so like honestly, you're so drunk <laughs> oh, <laughs> off of the sport itself too. of adrenaline that it's fun. Like it, I mean, at the time, I wasn't really thinking about like you get hit. It's like oh, you got hit. You got hit. You got hit hard. Like that's a badge yeah. of honor. I mean, that's a part of if you hit a, a specific player like like really really hard, mm-hmm. they give you a sticker for your health. A literally a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, straight up. So that like that aspect of it is what a lot of people allow to obscure the fact that football is another sport. But that aspect of it is also what proves that football is more dangerous yes. than every other sport. Well, that was the thing that freaked me out. Not just more dangerous, like in like the the literal, obvious, like violent physical sense, but reading Chait, I was like stunned by how rose colored his glasses were when he was remembering what it felt like to play as a teenager, and he was just like, you know, I'm successful at this. My friends are successful at these other things now that we're all grown up. But, you know, we talk about how alive we used to feel. Like, you know, playing football in high school was the closest we felt, you know, to really being alive. And I think about it and I'm like, I was really into theater when I was in high school. I remember I, that type of feeling that you get, you know what I'm saying? When you're doing the yeah. thing that you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. I used to get that. Am I an actress today? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just a person who talks too much. But do you look back on that time? I do look back on that time with fondness, but it's also like... You can get it of that feeling. You can get it other places. I I enjoy doing theater a lot, but I also enjoy playing sports, and I also enjoyed writing, and I also enjoy hanging out with my friends. Like I don't mean necessarily like they all gave me the same level of fun, but there I had a solid two to three activities when I was younger that gave me that adrenaline rush and that made me feel like I had really tapped into something that I was supposed to be doing. I just it's just very interesting to me that he felt like that was the only you know like that was the only way and it also creeped me out if I'm honest to hear almost the way he exalted his teenage football playing self like it was it felt very like Friday night lights like you know very Jack and Diane very like yeah. it was it 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 made me feel weird like you're kind of like Getting rid of all of this logic. Like, fuck all this logic. Fuck these facts. That you just stated. That you just stated. And let's instead discuss the fact that, like, I never felt alive. And if you haven't played this sport and you haven't... He kind of got toward that at the end where he was just yeah. like, if you haven't played this sport and you don't know what it feels like and da-da-da-da-da and y- y'all need to get real or get with it. And I was just like, son, like... <laughs> Like you, you literally got rid of logic and replaced that with the warm feelings that you had of playing football in like the like late eighties, early nineties. Well, I mean, here's what I'll say: like I, I played for a summer and a and a half of fall, and mm-hmm. I even like I remember that time extremely vividly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had like he described this kind of a moment when he earned his sticker. You know, he had this really big hit. And how that he went into like how that affected like the rest of his football, Mm -hmm. like, you know, career, if you call it that. Yeah. But I have I have that same experience. I think what's difficult for me to like the reason why my experience isn't on the same level as his is just because I started to get disillusioned with all the other facts that he put out in the rest (laughs) of the article. The rest of the article. You know, and like that makes it difficult. To to really like think back and say, oh man, that was that was some of the best times of my life. And, mm-hmm. and the truth is, I could have. I mean, I could have got a concussion, which is you know at the end of the day, a concussion. One concussion isn't the end no, of the I've world. Had a couple in my life. But it could have been a lot worse. In addition to mm-hmm. that, it wasn't an experience that shaped me that I couldn't have gotten somewhere else. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's not something to me that you the, the things that 
people describe when they're talking about the merit of high school. I'm speaking specifically about high school football. It's not something that you couldn't get elsewhere. It's just not, it's not something that you couldn't get elsewhere. But I mean, the thing that, that he, you know, I I wouldn't say that he is off. I wouldn't say that he's off base or that hasn't happened before is that's how football is perceived. Mm -hmm. Like in the South, like football is everything. Ball is life. Like, you know, like literally <laughs> football is everything. And like Texas, uh, in like in a lot of those like, like surroundings. Oklahoma too. Yeah. Like that is what you do. You know, I mean, bas- basketball is, is big too, but football is on a different level. And everybody kind of feeds into that. Mm-hmm. And because it's because it's that blood sport, it's almost like it's on another level. And people are, are really blinded by that and that's why i think this time right now is mm-hmm. really interesting because there's never been a time where at least that i've perceived where the volume of voices speaking science and facts yes. about football not just science that, and facts but also like we're seeing a lot of the narratives now combined with the science and facts yeah. so it's like junior sale what we like when that was happening there was enough information about cte and that type of shit for all of us to kind of be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Jovan Belcher. What? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's really, really deep that all these things are happening at one point. And then you still have, and, and I struggle with this too. You still mm-hmm. have those, those memories mm-hmm. and you feel warm inside. And that, I think what, what people are really struggling with is allowing themselves to get to a place now where they can say, you know what? This is how I felt. This is how it made me feel at that time. But I need to take a step back Mm -hmm. and really assess whether or not this is right. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than Golden Retrievers. See you in there. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Yeah, this is something that I can continue to support. And that's something that actually I, I like I didn't connect with it at the time, but Tanahasi Coates, you know, uh, like a couple years ago. Yeah, he's writing about football. That's how honestly that's how I got started reading about it because he wrote about it like it was a structure and yeah. not just like something that I needed to come in with prior knowledge about. Yeah, he he like he outlined his struggles with the sport like mm-hmm. through his blog and around the time of uh Junior Seau who was like one of his like favorite players, mm-hmm. you know, when he, you know, when he died, he was like, I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like I have a kid, you know, I don't, I like, I love this sport, but something is not like there's blood in the water. Yeah. And it, the other thing is, I remember that article, Junior Say I Was Dead is in the Atlantic and he, or on the Atlantic.com toward the end, or maybe it was like an update of the post. He mentioned a quote from some NFL official 
that was like, oh, you know, we'll never know what it was on the field that, you know, that may have injured Junior Seau. He was just like, I had to stop listening after that. And that's just crazy. If you say something and, you know, there's blood in the water. I don't, I'll say this. I've spent more time in the past week than I have in at any point in time. Even when I was like watching football and I had a fantasy, like fantasy team. I spent more time in the past week just gaining a real critical understanding of it. And on one hand, I think a lot of shit about football is totally fucked up. But on the other hand, I still understand the appeal of it. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to be so like flippant as somebody who doesn't give a fuck about football to say, well, this shit doesn't matter to me. So <laughs> I see how people struggle with it. And I see why people want to want to maintain, you know, want to maintain either the sport as it is or figure out a way to keep it around in a way that's going to be more safe for people who play it. But there's so much wrong with the organization. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, even just, you know, junior, there's Junior Seau and the way that they handled, handled Jovan Belcher. I keep going back to those two. And the way that they handled, you know, the way that they've handled Ray Rice. The organization is a hot ass mess. To me, it seems like the organization is like, that. that's where the blood is. Yeah. <laughs> in the water. Well, I mean. The- like, if you take the, obviously the sport doesn't exist in a vacuum, but like, the organization seems to take it to another level. And even, I don't know a ton about college football, but just the NCAA in general kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies just because you have all these boys and young women sometimes too, but let's be real. When we talk about football and we're talking yeah. about basketball, you have these boys that are making all this money for you. Like, March, I've, I, I don't like sports, but like, basketball is something I can kind of like yeah. get into. And like, you know, date black man. Like, even, even can't if, escape. I really can't escape it. I think in my whole entire dating life, I managed to date two people who didn't even just know, didn't watch any sports and didn't care. Even if they don't seem like, you know, there's a lot of childish, you know, my past is littered with childish Gambino types. And they'll still pull out on Saturday. They'll still want to watch college games. They're still going to, you know what I'm saying? They're still going to, they're still going to be even just kind of, even on the fringes, interested. Yeah, I have a lot of major issues with the NFL, obviously, but also the NCAA and the way that like these boys make all this money for you, but they can't accept, they can't accept any money. Like, what is that? They can't sell it. Jameis, my man who sold the crab legs. Jameis is, first of all. He's wild. That's that husband material. Wild. When I, I didn't even know who he was when I was like, you sold crab legs? Bang. <laughs> Instant bang. Instant bang. But yeah, he signed some autographs or something like that? He signed some autographs and he was, uh, he was signing, well, he was sign, signing merchandise and giving it to, I think, a booster or someone to, to basically to sell on like eBay or some shit like that. And he was getting a kickback for it. So the dude was like, oh, I'm going to sell this shit for $500 and give you, mm-hmm. give you like, 250 Yeah. I got you. And you can't do that. You can't make any money from your talent while you're a student athlete. athlete exactly. And yeah. this shit is fucked up. And that's honestly why I would, I would disagree with you a little bit. And it's not just the NFL. It's really, sadly, football as an apparatus. Like the like at every level, it's set up to facilitate the sport. It's an institution that is set up to sustain itself. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to sustain itself, in spite of these real serious fucking problems, yeah, then it ha- some shit has to get overlooked. Yeah, and the crazy thing about that is fair compensation at the at the easy level mm-hmm. and at the hard level motherfuckers is dying like <laughs> yeah it's dying there's there's a story about uh, a cardinals player this guy named tony jefferson and i think i mentioned this to you oh, a while ago did. this was devastating so this guy played i think this was like a week or two ago he played had an amazing game had 11 tackles uh he's a safety so that's really you want to tackle the person with the ball okay so yeah 11 tackles huge game Got a concussion. Didn't even know he had a concussion. Was driving home. Had to pull over and just sat there for 30 minutes because he couldn't remember where he was or what just happened. He eventually was like jarred from this state because basically his family caught him like, yo, where the fuck are you? <laughs> he eventually gets home and they're like, yo, your game. You had such a good day. He was like, he was like what? I don't remember. I played. I was good. They. He had to watch tape to remind Damn. himself that he played this game. Damn. It's more important to continue playing after something like that than to assess whether or not you have serious, serious problems. Well, you're talking about at least this dude was able to drive himself home. There's another yeah. article that you had me read about... His name is Nate? Nate Jackson. Nate Jackson. He used to play for, for the, the, the Broncos. The Broncos, right. And he... 
wrote something that was in Gawker. I think he has a book coming out. Yeah. But it was just basically about all of the injuries that his body sustained while not just playing, but attempting to qualify while he was in college. You know, and he's like, I was one of the only Division three guys who was at, I think, at camp. Am I saying it wrong? It was like some sort of qualifying camp. Um, training camp. Training camp, right. You know, he injured himself. I mean, it sounded like every single game, every single practice. And he was getting ice and stim, ice and stim, which is a term I actually know yeah. now. And um, Ice and stim stimulation. So basically, stimu- Electrical stimulation. Yeah. They put like electricity on you and try to stimulate your muscles to get them to, I guess, like activate, heal, mm-hmm. whatever. And he was doing whatever he could to be able to not just like, not even just necessarily move up through the depth. What is it called? Depth chart. The yeah. depth chart. Okay. Good yeah, job. Shit. You're killing it. Yeah. He wasn't just trying to move up through the depth chart. He was trying to like make sure that he actually like was able to stay on the team and was yeah. able to get through camp. Like his body was so fucked up when he started at 22 in the league. Like he had fucked his body up just trying to get there and that he didn't ever have a chance to rest. So every NFL player has, and basically what he was detailing was his injury file. Mm-hmm. And this injury file follows you throughout your entire career. Oh, in the event that you want to file for workers' compensation. Who would think that maybe after playing a sport that was really, like, that was that was maybe violent <laughs> or, you know, a lot of contact, mm-hmm. that after that's done, you might want to appeal for increased compensation to cover some of the injuries that are directly related to this. I mean, some of these guys, I don't even know how they're able to work. Well, a lot of them aren't. And that's, I mean, and that's, that's the issue. And it's, it's at two touch points. You have, you have the guys who, you know, they say, oh, you, these guys got to save their money. You know, this is coming, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the, at the end of the day, you don't. This is your only way to provide for this yourself your, or your, your family. It's, it's your, your profession. profession. You have no choice but to be able to continue because you don't you don't have any other avenues. For a lot of people, they you know they some of them skated through college. Mm-hmm. You know they played the sport because they knew where they were going. If you were on that NFL track, you know you weren't too worried. No, but now that you're out of this sport, you were living at a level. You become used to that level, and then. You can't continue to live at that level, not because you're running out of money, but because you have to fund your health care, which no. the costs are now skyrocketing because you've been hurt all your life. And they use this file mm-hmm. that, you know, that they've contributed to, that they religiously document. Yeah, like to, after every single game, yeah. after practices, anytime, I guess, sustained a major hit. Yeah. Yeah. To deny you compensation. And that's fucked up. Because it creates a culture where I don't want my shit to get in the file no. because they're going to use it against me. Exactly. So I'm going to keep these injuries to myself, which does nothing but cause more injuries and more life-threatening injuries. And at the NCAA level, it's almost worse because if they get hurt, there's no workers' comp because yeah. they're not an employee. Shit. They're just out. And if, for, if, that, if that's how you were funding your education, fucked. You're asked out. Like, you're, you're, you're literally done. But once again, you know, to kind of to come back again, we overlook this because we need to maintain the institution. Yes. Now, that was something that I've given a lot of thought to. And, you know, I told you that I, I see the value in football for other people. There's actually, I can't remember where it was. It could have been on BuzzFeed, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was Slate. There was an article earlier in the season, football season, yes, earlier in the season, <laughs> about um, the Washington football squad and their name. The Redskins, yeah. I don't, you say that, but you were, you were referring to it. I understand I mean, what you're yeah, saying. I was going to say, people need to know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so they were talking about the name. And there's this guy who was, I think, a D.C. native, and he was having, he understood in principle why the name shouldn't be used. But he had a difficult time giving it up, which doesn't make any sense to me, but for the sake of the story, anyway. Um, he had a difficult time giving the name up because their football team was something that brought a really divided city and a really divided area together. Like you said, football, you know, like we said, football is instant language. I see why people, I see why people need it. I, I can see how they feel like they need it. But I don't understand why it is being why people are trying to maintain it in its current state. It's like people don't even want to consider that there might be another way that you could do football. And that got me thinking about what is it, whenever people get very, when I say people like the general you, like whenever people in general are fiercely protecting something, 
that almost doesn't make any sense or completely doesn't make any sense. I always wonder what, you know, what are you, what are you holding on to? What are you protecting? And it seems like in this case, the clear answer with football is masculinity. I, I thought about it and I'm like, well, to me, I don't give a fuck about football. I don't think football is important. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's boring. I think it's dry. Only thing I like about football is you can go to a bar and you can eat chicken wings and you can Cheap drink beer. Wings, Delicious chicken wings. And you can have a good time and like kind of hang out with your friends and it gives you something to do. Like, I understand that. But other than that, I, to me, I'm like, okay, I don't give a fuck about football. We might as well get rid of it. But no one's going to get rid of it. No one's going to get rid of it because football is like a beacon of masculinity and we need masculinity. I'm not saying that we need it like in a real sense, but I think that people need to always bring masculinity back to the center of every conversation. I think it is one of the cornerstones, you know, patriarchy is one of the cornerstones of like all society, but we're speaking specifically about America. It's one of the cornerstones of American society and football is a great way on Sunday, on Saturday, on Monday, on Thursday, exactly, to bring masculinity back to the center and to value it and to celebrate it. And until we don't, until we no longer need masculinity to be the center of everything, we're going to continue to have football. I think that's, that's right and scary to agree with that as a fan, (laughs) you know, but I think there's also an additional component. But to touch on the masculinity part, the reason why, one of the reasons why I would agree Mm -hmm. is to kind of dive into why I started playing football in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, like I said before, I was the scrawniest kid alive. Very, very skinny. I was just like bones in in my head, which was pretty, you know, pretty large. Mm -hmm. And I started to get, after I got 14, everybody kind of hit their like muscular growth spurt. And I just got taller, not, didn't gain (laughs) any weight. I started to get bullied a little bit. You know, I started to get picked on. People started to, you know, spread rumors like, oh, man, he's not playing any, like, varsity sports. You know, he ain't on these girls like that. I mean, I was a nerd. I'm And, aware. like, a good nerd. I'm you know, aware. I'm whatever. aware. I'm aware. So these rumors, you know, the bullying would happen. It wasn't any, It wasn't that bad. I would, you know, there were a lot of people who got bullied, like, a lot worse than mm-hmm. I did. But I was like, yo, I'm about to be proactive about this shit. So I knew that I enjoy sports. I had always played sports. You know, I played pretty much everything except for like rugby or lacrosse or field hockey. So I was like, you know what? I can play football. I can play football. Sure. I'm going to do that because football players get the girls, Mm -hmm. get the respect, get the money. Get the, I mean, I wasn't folks. So I was right. you know, 15. But in addition to that, they're also seen as these muscular gods almost, mm-hmm. which is this masculinity part. You know, I was looking to bolster my masculinity chops. And the crazy thing about it is it worked. As soon as I like as soon as I walked into the gym, folks were like, yo, E, you try you try to play football? You try to play football? <laughs> like work? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. They were like, he gonna quit, you know. He ain't he ain't real. I mean, you, you did. And you're I not. did, but not immediately. You okay. know, they didn't know you was gonna make it through. They know I was gonna make the, the team. Camp. Nobody thought I was gonna make the team. So you know, when I when folks saw I was like serious, I was I was in a gym, I was lifting every day. You know, like I said, I put on I, my five I, pounds. I was gonna say they were like, "Yo, respect." So like some of the most popular folks in the school play football. They started dapping me up in the in the hallways. You know, I'm getting looks from them. Next thing you know, new girls start checking me out. They come <laughs> coming to me, meet me at my locker. Even my family, crazy enough, even my family. Once they heard I was playing football, they're like, "Yo, you play? You playing football?" It sounds I, like Calvin got a job. It really. It was like Calvin got a job. <laughs> Straight up, like I started getting calls. From everybody, from like male family members, like, yo, come through, we're gonna watch football, I'm a grill. And I'm like, yeah, cool, sure. Cause like at the time, I, you know, my dad, he wasn't super into sports. Like we, we would watch sports occasionally, but you it said wasn't. He was like a basketball person. Yeah, he also was a big basketball person. So he was like, okay, whatever. Right. But everybody else was like, yo, this is awesome. This is great. They were telling me their stories about mm-hmm. how they played. And it was like I was in this cool club that all my guy nerd friends were never really in. <laughs> and that was amazing to me. But the more I like stayed in it, I was like, yo, this is cool and all. But I don't want to get knocked off every day <laughs> to do this. Like, it's not that deep. It's really not. And so that's ultimately why I quit. But that brotherhood quote unquote, Mm -hmm. was awesome. It was amazing. And it was something that 
I think that feeling is mm-hmm. a part of what keeps that that masculinity, as you say, that perception alive. And that's trippy. Well, I can understand. Well, I mean, on like the mirror, not the mirror image of that, but I understand having played a girl sport, definitely that feeling of being on a team. And all of you are in the trenches every single day, sweating and figuring it out and running the same, for you, it's probably plays over and over again. We're running the same routines over and over and over and over and over again. Getting cursed out by your coach, getting screamed at, people be crying and shit. You know know what I'm saying? It's like... I mean, we was crying too. Yes! You're in pain, you're crying. Exactly. You lose shit, you're crying. Exactly. It's like emotional. There's a lot going on. So I understand that. And I actually really understand... I really do understand the masculinity provides protection. But again, you need the protection because... Because of masculinity. Yeah. Like, that's what I was going to say. Because, I mean, like, to put it very, 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 very short, you need it because people are going to want to beat your ass because you're a dude. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not a because a, you're not a guys guy. Exactly, you're not a quote unquote guys guy. And in order for other people to know that they're guys guys, that they're not soft or feminine or whatever, they need to beat your ass. They gotta beat somebody's ass. Yeah. You know the the violence perpetuates. Yeah, the violence. It's, it's like if you understand, I understand what some of what Jonathan Chait was saying when he was saying that the violence in football is at least organized because. If you weren't getting knocked out on the football field, you were going to be getting your ass beat by other people. Yeah, in the hallway. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> in the classroom. So yeah, I understand. I understand that. But masculinity provides protection from. It's like a counterattack. Yeah. In addition, there's an. I mean, there's another component of it too. Like a lot of people's fondest. I mean, this wasn't. You know, this wasn't my reality. But a lot of people's families can only connect with the men in their lives through sports mm. because you know you grow up women and men yeah yeah literally if you want to go through dad or through granddad you gotta sit and watch the game with them. and that's you know sometimes for some people that's the only time they really see emotions like joy coming from a guy because we're we can be so closed off you know there there's all this push for us not to be emotional and this is something jonathan chait kind of talks about he kind of touches on it Mm -hmm. these this kind of this cliche notion of what it means to be a man you know you're supposed to be really tough and that's football players are tough Mm -hmm. you're supposed to not buckle under pressure football players don't buckle on ron swanson exactly but the thing is what people are i think are realizing now is that that shit doesn't work and it's not healthy it's not healthy it's it harms it doesn't just harm the players but just like you say it's like football is an acceptable way for people to engage their emotions. Yeah. It's, a, it's an acceptable way for a lot of men, a lot of straight men specifically, to engage with their emotions. Yeah, it, it's very interesting to me that sports are this this sort of like way for them to kind of express themselves or to get close to other people or to share something intimate with other people or even the part of being a team, that, that closeness. There's, oh, you have you seen the gift this week of like, I can't remember what basketball team it was. But there was one player who was sitting two seats over from another one on the bench, on side sidelines, court, court, side? On the court. Okay, whatever. Um, and he fixed his friends, his teammate, I call him his friend, his teammate's headband. Like, it was kind of jacked up, so he just reached over and fixed it. And the dude was just sitting there like, it was cool for his friend to do that. Yeah. That's like how I know me and most of my friends will interact physically, especially with my female friends. We interact like that physically. But outside of a sports context... It's not necessarily acceptable for men to have that level of intimacy with each other, for straight men to have that level of intimacy with each other. And it's very, I, I wonder if that's something that people wouldn't, like, I, I, we've read a lot of things this week, and I've read a fair amount about football in general. I've seen that touched on. But sports are a way for, for straight men in, like, heterosocial relationships to have intimacy in a way that they are not going to get ridiculed for. I mean... That's spot on. <laughs> I mean, because even myself now, like, I don't, I mean, you know, I don't watch, like, I'm not watching Thursday night games. No. I'm not watching, you know, every now and again, I'm watching Sunday games. Mm-hmm. But when I'm hanging out with, you know what I'm saying, when the bros is hanging out, yeah. bro night, we watching football. We're watching sports. Well, not only that, I hang out with y'all. Yeah. We all hang out together. We have like a, we got, we have a, a mostly, I'd say mixed as far as like men and women friend group. But we sometimes can, depending on who's around, lean heavily toward men. And when y'all hang out, if y'all are cooking out or grilling out or something like that together 
a lot of times I'm not allowed to come until later because y'all are watching football. I never actually thought of it as it's almost like a sacred space where y'all are just being with each other in a way that is more acceptable than like maybe like the way that me and a lot of my girlfriends will spend time. We'll spend a lot of close one-on-one time together. We'll actually sit and this is, I mean, we're speaking in broad generalizations and we're speaking also specifically about ourselves and our experiences. I know that men and women, everybody, you know, in between or around that outside of that, you know, people are different. People do things differently, but I would be lying if I said that I hadn't noticed a major difference in between the way that I relate when it's just me and my girlfriends and the way that I observe, you know, a lot of my guy friends spending time with each other. That's true. Becomes just tradition almost of how you interact on those levels. So, you know, with some of my really close friends, we're like, you know, I'm like, yo, I haven't seen you in two weeks. Let's watch a game. Mm, And it's an easy, it's an easy engagement. We already, like, you don't have to plan. You, I know I'm you know either going to see you. I'm either going to see you at one, four, four or eight. <laughs> yeah. You know, like one of those blocks, that's when we're going to sit down. Somebody's going to bring some beer. We're going to sit. We're going to talk. We, we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about other stuff in the, in, in the commercials. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to dialogue. We're going to shoot the shit. We're going to enjoy each other's company. And that's when we have those, like you said, those, those kind of like intimate spaces. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that that we associate those things with football once again to come back because of how violent and hurtful it is on (laughs) the screen or in real life at the game tailgating even yeah you know tailgating is so fucking fun though it's 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 amazingly fun there are so many beloved social experiences Mm -hmm. tied to to this sport that it's going to be ridiculously hard to evolve it. And it's exactly what you say. It's the masculinity aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, people's familial relationships mm-hmm. tied to it. It's the money part of it. I was just going to say the money. It's all those things working together to preserve... Football as it is. Yeah. Yeah, because if it changes, then it... You know, and this is, once again, a, a, a broad stroke. And I don't think this is necessarily true. But if it changes then it's not the same. You're not sitting there with the beer and then everybody jumps when there's this crazy hit where somebody goes airborne. Yeah. But what people forget is after somebody goes airborne, they hit the ground, they hit the ground and they cart them off in a stretcher. <sighs> and, and you that don't know. That was stressing out in life. If you saw some people fighting <laughs> yeah. in the street, I did see people fighting outside of the club, but they were mostly like slapping each other and missing. And then they scurried off down the street together, actually, I think, in a group. But drunk. if it yeah, drunk. If in real life you saw somebody get slapped the fuck out and they had to go away and stretch, you'd be fucked up for the day. You like, damn, you wonder what happened to this person. Yeah, you'd be you, like, crazy. And you know, and we read and the sad thing is like when I play fantasy, I'm reading injury reports. Like, like uh, you want you want to see who's actually who's gonna, gonna, gonna be play. Playing. I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, this motherfucker gonna be all right. And if somebody, you know, if it's a concussion or something like that, and I'm like, yeah, he's probably gonna play. Yeah, he's probably gonna play. And you don't you don't process process the week to week. Oh, who's playing? Who's not playing? Who's hurt? Who's not hurt? Oh, I hope they get over it. He'll be back soon. You don't process. Yo, he's been hurt six weeks out of seventeen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like what does that mean for this person's body? That's the reason why I'm starting not to I'm really starting to struggle with continuing being a fan of football. You know, eventually I'm gonna have kids. Yeah. And I don't want them to tie those happy emotions to that sport. Really? No. Because at the end of the day they might they might want to play. Yeah and you don't want them to do that. And I don't want them to do that. There's potential for a concussion. There's a potential for death. Oh, spinal injuries. Spinal, like, paralyzed. Like, there's so many things that can go wrong. And me sitting there happy with a beer on Sunday, rooting for it, is not the signal that I want to send. It's not. So, like, I don't know how I'm going to stop. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely see it being something that's phased out but the the thing about that is that's not gonna fix this no. like that's gonna that's gonna change my immediate yeah, I was gonna say, and i'm gonna be honest with you in the future i don't know how much control i will have over that in my household because i don't know how much my husband is going to be into watching football i mean i'm gonna be honest in all reality i've only really dated like two people who actually really watch sports yeah so i might be able to like get out you of can it. get over i think i can, i think i like i don't think i 
it's not it's never been like I've never dated somebody and sports were on all the time most of the time they're not on we're watching like fucking family guy which is honestly worse but yeah I don't know how much control I'll even have over that in my household in the future it's like there's so like you said there are what I think maybe possibly hundreds of millions of football fans in the country yeah I don't know if I would say how many people live in America like 450 million people yeah Maybe, so, yeah, maybe a bit more. I would say if you got 200 million people, probably do like at least 100 million people in the United States probably casually watch football. Yeah. There's just so much tied to it. And even then, football as a structure, I mean, this is also what they really struggle with and what they're rebelling against at every level. If you reform it at the NFL level, you have to reform it at the NCAA level. And then it's going to trickle high down. And then Pop Warner and everything. And people are going to fight that tooth and nail. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, I don't, we don't even, even have fucking minimum wage the same in every state. <laughs> you think folks just gonna let football just like roll out? But the thing is, I don't even know how you do that. Like, mm-hmm. how do you take that? You need you need the hits. Like, you need the hits to make the sport quote unquote what it is. To make it what it is, you can't just you know you can't just have passing plays. And even on passing plays, there are big hits. Like, there's just it's so ingrained in the sport. I don't know how. You could effectively reform it. And the people, you know, they try new helmet technologies. They try to limit practice, you know, how many hours and minutes you can practice. And all those things help. But at the end of the day, on any given Sunday. Okay. You saw what I did there. I saw what you did. You can go out there and you could, you know, really, really, truly get hurt. Yeah. And I'm not okay with that. That is, um, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I had a feeling that you were headed that way. But I didn't. I didn't know that you did not see football as a part of your future, or as a part of your, you know, hypothetical future, children's future. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know the timeline, but at some point, it's gonna it's gonna change. I'm, I mean, I'm just gonna watch basketball, basketball, well, soccer. You I know? will say, we were out last weekend with a bunch of friends, and it was interesting because everyone knows I don't like sports, <laughs> so people typically don't talk to me about them. But y'all were talking about playing sports when you were young. I think like middle school, high school age. And everybody was comparing what sports they played, what they lettered in, what years they did, what years they didn't. And I noticed that with, it was like, what, there's at least five black men there. Yeah. And all of y'all have varying athletic abilities. <laughs> Some of y'all... That's, that's I didn't putting know, it very politely. Right? I, like, I appreciate that. I didn't know we even had athletic abilities or have touched ball sports. I didn't yeah. know that that was a thing that y'all had dabbled in. One of our friends plays basketball. I mean, when we talk about ball is life. Like ball this, is life. This motherfucker is shooting in the gym. Shooting in the gym. At least five days a week. Like, hashtag fucking ball is life. Yeah. But I, was, I wasn't surprised when he said this, but when the rest of you guys started talking about periods of time in your life, your young lives, where you were playing basketball. For I mean, like, after school for three hours. Or you would, like, if you said you used to work at the YMCA and you yeah. would open the gym late. And y'all would just play after hours for like a real until you got called by your mom to come home. Basically, like that again. Like that, I think about like what kind of discipline that the discipline, the love, the, you know, the teamwork, the camaraderie that goes with that. It's very interesting to me that people look at basketball, which is a major sport. Obviously, um, the NBA is a huge organization, and it's very interesting that when people go to defend football. They just kind of bypass like all the same qualities that are in basketball that yeah. aren't fucking killing people. So I mean, you know, maybe that maybe we all make the switch over to a, maybe like in the future in my lifetime. If hashtags so. are in the listen, listen, listen. I'm telling. I'm giving you a story. Right back. <laughs> in the future, in my lifetime, if hashtags are still a thing, and like how about live hashtags actually? But if hashtags are still a thing, eventually we get rid of the NFL, no more football, and then like when the NBA takes over. Basically, the country. They're just going to start... There's going to be, like, screen of black on television. Hashtag ball is life. To let everybody know, basketball's taking the fuck over. And they got shit now. I'm ready for that day. I don't fully, like... I don't want to shit on people that watch football. Because it's a journey for everybody. I'm, yeah. It's a journey for everybody. But if basketball took everything over, I wouldn't be mad. You can actually see what people look like when they play basketball. Whereas football, <laughs> just speaking superficially, you can't see anyone's face like Richard was it Richard Sherman Richard Sherman yeah Richard Sherman fucking bonus we took his helmet off and I saw what he looked like I was like what I mean obviously I don't connect with it on that particular level Whatever. but yeah I mean I don't I don't honestly I don't see it happening in our lifetime no I don't see it either. unless unless there's some 
I think somebody would have to die on national television. Yeah, consistently more than once. We are, yes, I say consistently exactly. more for than it once. to be for it to change. And it's something that also, I mean, this is I think this is probably one of the like the last things that I have on it. I think until we get to like until we reform how often it's on TV and that's only increasing how no. often it's on TV it's it's really not going to die down because that's that's what fuels it people watch it every people watch it every week mm-hmm. and so it stays on their mind you know and not only that it's like so easy now with, uh, with subscription services and with online streaming and things yeah. like that it's very easy to get a constant stream of the sport all of the time on any device. And that fuels kids. You know, they see it and they're like, oh, I see this all the time. It's always with me. Oh, let me check that out. Maybe I'll maybe I try, you know, or maybe my dad's going to push me into Pop Warner or, you know, something like that. But those are the things keeping kind of the engine going. And honestly, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I don't so. see it changing either. There's too many people that make money from football being televised and broadcast. Not just, you know, obviously on television and on radio still. Yeah. And on the internet, too many people make too much money. And too many people, you can't see me right now, but I'm holding my chest like Mariah Carey. Too many people are protected by protected by the masculinity that football provides. Yeah. So. So. Gosh, I'm feeling a little sad. That's <laughs> heavy. We need like need a beer. I'm drinking one. I'm not. Sadly, what it's the nasty. The one I'm drinking beer? is nasty, so it's fine. Yeah. This is the leftover beer. I know. This is beer has been here for six weeks. Every <laughs> single week up here, you open up your refrigerator and look at this sad ass fucking. It's just let y'all know, don't drink fucking original sin. Oh, this is not a beer. It's like cider. Oh, maybe I think it's nasty because I thought it was beer. That's, it's still nasty, though. That's the shit we Don't drink original don't like. sin elderberry cider. It's nasty. That's it. Uh, thank you Thanks, so much. Guys. We appreciate <laughs> this it. This has been great. This is actually, I mean, I thought this was a pretty good... This was, actually. And it wasn't too difficult for me to talk about, considering I don't know or give a shit about football. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah. Hopefully not as a result of... Someone actually dying. Dying. No, we yeah. don't want that to happen. So, anyway, till right. then. Till then. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.